My radio station. Your radio station. Our radio station. The voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Very good evening. Welcome back to VOC 91.3 FM. Also broadcasting out in the Boland on 95.8 in the beautiful mountains. Uh, it's still light out there, I'm sure. And if it's hot here, it's even hotter there. It's colder, it's even colder, cooler there. So alhamdulillah um, to those and salams to my families out, out in the Boland as well. And I uh, hope everybody's well on this Saturday evening. Alhamdulillah. Um, relaxed and chilled or you're busy at some function, driving um, and listening to the radio or um, shopping and you've got your headphones in welcome to this edition of questions and answers I'm Khawa Solomon and we welcome back Sheikh Ibrahim Wirth Sheikh is the resident imam at the Yusufiya Masjid who will be answering your questions in this edition as always in questions and answers so the platforms to pose your questions are SMS by SMS on 47913 uh, our fax is also available on 021-4477-271 an easy number and then we have our email address which is info at vocfm.co.za. Call our reception 021-442-3530 for copies of the show. But if you prefer to download them, if that's your preferred mode of, uh, of doing it and you've got that facility, then visit IONO, that's IONO.FM, and you could uh, um, search for questions and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Mus and pick the program which you'd like to listen to it, or just uh, contact our office 021-442-3500. Chat to the producer of the show, Zarina Jacobs, who always does a brilliant job. Shukran to her and her support. And to the rest of our production team for always uh, giving us some excellent programs to put forward to present to you. So um, let's introduce Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum to you, Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sister Hawa, how are you doing today? Alhamdulillah. It's Saturday's weekend, uh, always a time where you could feel you could just let your hair down, but then the kids start running in. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. But at least we uh, are still able to breathe a and blessings. to. to yeah. Yes, so count our ni'mas. There's so yes. many blessings and bounties. So we thank Allah for that. And we hope, inshallah, that we will be safe and protected wherever we are, inshallah. Amen, amen. That's the dua for today from Sheikh Ibrahim Wiz. Let's kick off with the, with your questions. And um, I know our last question, we ended um, very concisely about Fasakh and Talaq. And we hope that everybody was cleared up. And that questionnaire was also happy with that answer. But please do SMS us on 47913. And that contact numbers, if you've missed on any of the show, that Sheikh has referred to as well, 021-442-3500 during, during office hours. So our first question for today, Sheikh is, Assalamu alaikum, what is the position of a woman in niqab in relation to her second husband's sons and sons-in-law? And the son, are the sons mahram to her and the sons-in-law non-mahram? And, and the same for the grandchildren as well. So just... Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa barik wa sallim. Um, the uh, question of um, sons of one's husband, uh, in other words, stepsons. Um, yes, they are mahram to you. Um, the moment that you consummate the marriage with your husband, then they become mahram in terms of you not being able to ever marry them. Um, they obviously are allowed. You are allowed to, you know, uncover your, your some part of your aura, like your 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 hair, your hair and and some parts of your arms and so on in front of them, because you can never get married to them. Mm. Okay, and that is a permanent uh, restriction upon you as far as they are concerned, because they become your stepchildren. Yeah. And this obviously only is when the marriage was consummated. 
you know, if for some reason the marriage was never consummated, mm. then of course they, they will not become haram on you. You can in fact marry them also in the future if you did not consummate your marriage with your with your husband. Uh, and in terms of the sons-in-law, however, that is quite correct what you state, that they are non-mahram to you. Okay, So they are not in the same category of your stepsons. Mm. Okay, So there we must be careful. There you still need to be in uh, hijab and you need to have proper clothing in front of them and so on because they are still strangers for you. So you don't do things that you would normally do in front of uh, strangers, um, in front of your sons-in-law. And in terms of the grandchildren, uh, this would take the same ruling as the children. If it is your husband's grandchildren, his own grandchildren, mm. then it means they also become like your step-grandchildren and they also become haram upon you um, because it always goes all the way down and all the way up, right? We don't make a distinction between father and grandfather, for example. We don't make a distinction between father, uh, between son and grandson, for example. So just like your husband's son would be haram upon you, your husband's grandson would also be haram upon you. Your husband's, your husband's son yes. is haram. Haram upon this, the, 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 the husband's the wife. wife now, right? So the, the wife cannot get married. Oh, yes, she can't get married, of course. To yeah, a stepson, okay, ever. And this goes also for the step-grandson. In other words, the husband's grandchildren. Um, so that will be exactly the same. That is also a mahram relationship. Uh, just coming back to the sons-in-law. Now, let's say there's even grandsons-in-law. Then that will be the same as the sons-in-law. They are not mahram to you. Uh, they will always be haram upon you, just like any other strange person. So it only goes for your husband's children and his grandchildren. But what makes a grandson-in-law? Because it would be the daughters. It would yeah, not it be would, the daughter's children. Obviously, it would be. Oh, okay. No, it could be. It could be the husband's uh, sons, daughters, husband. Oh, okay. I well, get it. It's quite long, but I said it slow so that you yes. right? <laughs> so, so it could be a sons in law, grandsons in law. So they will not be haram, but grandsons would be haram, would be mahram for <laughs> okay. the stepmother or the step grandmother for that matter. So we make a distinction. So the way the questioner actually put the, the question was quite correct. Yeah, she, the sons are mahram idea, and yeah. the sons in law are not mahram. Mm. Okay, that is the, the, the short of it, long and the short of it. And inshallah, Same I hope that clears it up. And if yeah. you want a bit more and just to read up on all the relationships that makes a that make, that becomes haram for a person, then you simply consult with Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4 of the Quran, verse 23, where Allah lays out in detail who are the women that you can never get married to mm. and obviously you take the opposite as well if it's a, a, a female who are the males yes. that a person cannot get married to that is chapter 4 verse 23 if ever you want to just go back and clarify that matter okay shukran Sheikh. is wine and drugs are wine rather and drugs in the same category when it comes to being haram why is there a time period to wait after you had a, a, a drink of wine and not for drugs drugs rather to make salah again yeah, of course, the, uh, there's a process whereby we know that uh, the wine is actually mentioned in the Qur'an, whereas the drugs is not mentioned in the Qur'an. Yes. But the, but the scholars, uh, they, they applied what is called a process of qiyas. Qiyas would be an analogy, analogy where you sort of compare two situations and you look at the circumstances, whether they are the same, and we try to draw the same ruling that mm -hmm. applies to both. And this is a mechanism that the scholars of Islam have perfected and have really gone quite deep into, uh, and, and there's there's methods how it is done. So the process of Qiyas is a very, very useful process in order to give a ruling to something that is not mentioned in the Quran or in the hadith of the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So in this case, um, cl drugs clearly are not mentioned. Modern drugs that are taken by people are not mentioned. But we make an analogy and Qiyas upon the Khamr. 
that is mentioned in the Quran mm. and the result is the same. You say if both of them intoxicates, then it means they are equally haram. Okay, so the both of them are haram equally. There is no distinction between them. Um, one is not greater than the other. Both is exactly the same if they have obviously the same intoxicating effect. Now, in terms of um, the salah issue of the 40 days, mm. um, now there is a hadith that actually speaks about this where the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam had um, uh, actually recommended that you always try to eat that which is halal and not eat that which is haram. Okay, because if you put food into your stomach that is haram, then Allah Ta'ala will not accept your good deeds and according to some riwayas and, and narrations for 40 days. For 40 days Allah will not accept your good deeds if you put into your belly that which is haram. There's actually hadith on this where the Nabi says, أطب مطعمك تكن مستجاب الدعوة Always eat that which is pure and halal, then your du'as will always be accepted. So that kind of cancels out the question of making salah after you've drunk wine and... Um, yeah, well, I want to come to that. Period. I want to come to that okay. to say that it does not mean you must not make salah. Okay. Okay. All that it means is that, yes, you are in a very precarious situation when you had uh, consumed something which is haram, something mm. like alcohol or anything else that is haram. You have put yourself in a very bad light that Allah is not really interested in wanting to accept sure. your ibadah. Mm. Okay. But that does not mean you mustn't make the ibadah anyway. You must still try to appease Allah. You mm. must still try to seek His forgiveness. Okay, so uh, the hadith really says, in, and in the one the one narration says only things that are haram, anything. And in another narration, the Nabi Sallallahu actually speaks about actual khamar, where the Nabi says, "Al khamru ummu al khabaith." Khamar is the mother of all evil. فَمَنْ شَرِبَهَا لَمْ يَقْبَلِ اللَّهُ مِنُّ صَلَاةً أَرْبَعِينَ يَوْمًا Allah will not accept his salah for 40 days. وَإِنْ مَاتَ وَهِيَ فِي بَطْنِهِ مَاتَ مِيتَةً جَاهِلِيَّةً And if he were to die on that state, where it was 40 days within him uh, consuming alcohol, he would have died as if he died in a state of ignorance, you know, in the time of jahiliyyah, as if, uh, you know, he had no guidance with him, etc. Um, so now the question is, the hadith says your salah will not be accepted to 40 days. So does that mean you must wait for 40 days before you make salah? The answer is no. Yeah. You should not wait for 40 days. Because right. that person could be recovering as well. Yes, you should. But still you should be under treatment. Under and, treatment, mm. etc. But you should not wait for 40 days. Mm. Right? Uh, because if that is the case, then, I mean, you know, people would not make salah for a very long time. Up, yeah. And also, how are they going to appeal to Allah to forgive them? And mm. how are they going to get their life in order? Connection, right? Yeah. All that the hadith is saying is, it's a deterrent as far mm. as I'm concerned. It's to deter you. To think of this, if you do something uh, as bad as drinking or taking drugs, then Allah is not going to be interested in accepting what you are doing. Okay, so it's a deterrence that you don't fall into that category in the first place. Mm. But let's say you did fall into the category, uh, the doors of Tawbah is obviously open, you should make Tawbah to Allah, you should return to Him, you should continue to make your Salah, even if it is a day after that, you should mm. not wait for 40 days. And yes, uh, Allah Ta'ala is Ghafoorul Rahim, you know, he, he is forgiving, He is merciful, uh, but you need to also play your part, you need mm. to show remorse in what you have done, you must show regret in what you have done, right? It's almost like, uh, you know, if, if somebody, if you've done something wrong to someone, mm. you've taken something from him or you've hurt him or whatever, right? He may say to you, look, I don't want to see you ever again. Mm. But from your side, are you going to say, well, if you don't want to see me, I won't come to you? Mm. Or are you still going to try in one way or the other to make right what you've made wrong? You're going to try your best to send him some gifts or give him some flowers or give him whatever you think is going to soften his heart mm. so that he can realize that you made a mistake. Okay. Similarly, Allah Ta'ala, it's a deterrent for us to think that for 40 days your salah will not be accepted. But that does not mean you must not make salah. You are in fact more in need of the salah now that you've done the wrong. 
because you need to repent and you need to turn to him Allah Ta'ala you need to you know get in connect, uh, contact with him so you definitely should make and drugs is similar to that in fact one of the ways that is actually the best form of rehabilitation for people that are in drugs mm. is to give them a heavy dosage of zikr of Allah give them a heavy dosage of salah make them into contact with Quran keep their heart you know purified and keep their heart in a stream of good that is that is flowing into the heart and that very often would distract them from wanting to do haram and wanting to go back to the habit you know that's why we always t- say to people before you even go to rehabilitation stand on your musla you know go make salah to Allah and ask him to take you out of what you are in now that you acknowledge the wrong that you've done do that you'll see Allah Ta'ala perhaps will help you so just again the question drugs and khamar is the same both are haram and yes Allah Ta'ala is not going to easily accept your deeds after that for 40 days but that does not mean you must not make salah you must continue with your salah hoping that Allah will eventually forgive you and he will eventually overlook uh, the wrong that you have done May Allah forgive all of us for our shortcomings and sins, inshallah. Amen. Let's take a break and come back with more of your questions via SMS, Facebook, fax and email. Just after. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Assalamu alaikum, a very good evening, welcome back. Questions and answers, I'm Khawa Salomon, I'll be with you right up until 7pm, as well as Sheikh Ibrahim versus in studio, answering your questions. So our next question is Sheikh. Salam Imam, my husband has left our bedroom and sleeps in our son's room. I don't know what the problem is and he doesn't want to talk about it, but it's been three weeks already. Shukran. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Um, there is obviously a problem between you and your husband. There must have been something that triggered uh, the fact that he's sleeping separate from you. Mm. Um, and, and you need to obviously ascertain uh, what that is. And yes, it, 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 could, it would be difficult if he's not responding and if he's not talking. Um, and it's been two weeks. It's quite a mm. long time. And you don't want to... Three uh, weeks. Uh, three weeks. You don't mm. want to wait for it to, 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 to go further than that and all. So I think the best is for you to get... Uh, I don't know how, but to get away in order to at least uh, be able to communicate with him or to get someone to communicate with him. Mm. Right? Maybe someone that is close to him. That is normally an avenue that we like to follow. Someone that he is more willing to listen to. Mm-hmm. Someone that he trusts and someone that he is close to. Maybe one of his friends, maybe um, a family member or someone. Just to ask him, look, what is the issue? Is there any way that we can just talk about it? Mm-hmm. Because we, we, we are not able to live uh, like this. And for us to live in separate rooms, not to speak to each other, is very bad. It's very unhealthy for the marriage. And we, we must remember shaitan, this is an opportunity which he always seeks out. To cause separation between people When you see there is already a problem And they are already um, angry at each other He would come and put into your mind That waswasa, you know, that whispering mm. That now is the time for you to break loose Now is the time for you to be free Or now is the time for you just to pack up your stuff and go And so we shouldn't allow shaitan to do that Right? And this is one of his functions Allah mentions mm. in the Quran That this is the function of shaitan As Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah One of the things is they like to separate between husband and wife 
Okay, and we should not allow that. Uh, we should try to work out our issues. And if there's difficulty, we should try to overcome those difficulties. If there's challenges, we should try to speak about those challenges. And no marriage is free of that. Mm. No marriage is free of obstacles and arguments and misunderstandings and all of that. I think all of us, we have a fair share of that. Mm. Okay, it's almost like Sayyidina Umar, uh, when a person came to him to come complain about the wife, whatever the wife was doing and so on, he was very unhappy. Sayyidina Umar said, you complaining to me about this situation, but let me tell you, I'm experiencing exactly the same thing that you are experiencing with my <laughs> wife. And I'm the Khalifa. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be the most respected person in Medina. But yet my wife does the same what your wife does, you know. So it's not something uncommon to have misunderstandings, to have kind of things that are not going well in your marriage. But you need to show willingness to work at it and to at least overcome that obstacle. So for you as a wife, it seems that you are at the receiving end of this of this whole situation where you are being ignored and you are being sidelined. And Allah knows best, obviously, what the circumstances were and what the reasons were that you uh, had the argument in the first place. But the best is to keep yourself humble and to try sincerely to get someone to speak to him so that he at least can sit down with yourself and at least come to some kind and and uh, remember the longer you take the more difficult it will become mm. and the more shaitan will come and try and cause issues and so on and so forth uh, we hope inshallah that you will be successful in whatever method or whatever avenue you are going to explore in order to save your marriage inshallah we make dua allah make it easy for you and your husband amen assalamu alaikum sheikh can imam opklaring uh, gee as a mens wil boedel boedel gee vir jou kinders terwijl mens nog lewe kanala jazakallah hope uh, i got that alhamdulillah right. very nice <laughs> question in afrikaans uh, and mm. unfortunately we do understand a little bit of what the question is saying uh, the boedel of course the inheritance so are you okay. allowed to give inheritance to your children while you are still alive okay. obviously by virtue of the fact that you are still alive then it won't will not be called inheritance it's not inheritance. You can't give your things over now to your children and say, this is my inheritance to you. Yeah, it's right? only after death it's after called death, inheritance. One of the conditions of inheritance is the person must die first. Mm. right? And one of the other conditions of inheritance is that the person who is inheriting must be alive at the time when the person dies. When the, when the testator dies, the heir must be alive, in other mm. words. So only then we call it inheritance. Um, uh, in case of in the case of your lifetime, you are able to give them whatever you want. Mm. You know, in terms of gifts, you can uh, give them some money if you like. You can give them, let's say, this furniture in the house that you want to get rid of. You can give them in your lifetime as a gift. Uh, in your lifetime as a gift. Mm. But here we just caution that you don't make a distinction between your children. You don't, you know, um, give more to the one and not to the other. And this is something which the Nabi Ali Wasalam was very careful about. He did not like us to make a distinction without justification between our children when it comes to gifts and giving uh, rewards to them and so on we should try to be equal in fact there was one sahabi that came and he says oh prophet of allah given to my son such and such and the prophet asked him did you give to the other children as well mm -hmm. he said no then the nabi sallam said leave me out of it i don't want to be a part of this i don't want to be a witness to this because i don't witness things that are oppressing oppressive so it's very very important that if you're going to give a gift to them which is allowed in your lifetime you can give your clothing to them you can give your furniture whatever you want to give there's nothing of a problem there but try to be um, try to be obviously equal and fair towards them but if it comes to inheritance per se or will you can only write out a will and that will will only take effect once you die, all right? Once you leave this world, and that can only happen if they are also alive at the time when you die. So let's say they die before you, 
then obviously they won't inherit from you. Their mm. children won't inherit from you because obviously it means that uh, they are not eligible because they died before actually the testator was able to give over that inheritance. So we have to make that distinction uh, between the two and... Uh, Yes, let us just un- try to understand that once we've written our will according to the sharia of Allah Ta'ala, according to the deen, we can rest assured that Allah is pleased with us and it is the best way to do it. Uh, we should not try to make up our own things or want to do our own method while a method was provided to us by our glorious Quran. And uh, like we say, you know, some people, they die and they like to still rule while they are in their cover. They still want to rule what is happening to their wealth, you know, because they want to say what must get, who must get what. That should not be. We should try to settle these things in a way that is pleasing to Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sharia. And Alhamdulillah, we have so many qualified people and qualified institutes nowadays that can guide us on this matter. Al-Baraka Bank and the MJC and uh, individuals, you know, lawyers that are also shuyukh that can able to uh, give us guidance on this. So let us uh, consult with them hmm. and see what is the best way to write our will according to the Sharia so that we can please our Creator, Allah Tabaraka Wa Ta'ala. I mean, inshallah, a very important point to take note, at and note of. And with that, we pay the bills and come back with more of your questions just after. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back. Questions and answers. And uh, yes, Sheikh Ibrahim Wurst answers your questions via SMS, Facebook, um, uh, email, fax, and uh, also phone in. So um, shukran so much for your patience as we get through the, 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 the questions. And we're trying to do it as quick as we can as well. So, Sheikh, the next, next question is, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. I'm the eldest son of six children, but uh, my mother and father only got married when I was two years old. Can I inherit of the house and money that is hers? And how does it get distributed? Another um, inheritance question, Sheikh. Yeah, another question on the issue of succession. And um, here, since your, your mother and father conceived you out of wedlock, um, and they, they got married later on and so on It means that obviously you are not allowed to, to inherit from your father your, your biological father that is But you are allowed to inherit from your mother Okay, Your mother will still be your mother And she still you are still her heir mm. Even if it was a marriage that was uh, Or a child that was born out of wedlock You will still inherit from your mother Because you are part of her flesh and blood you, mm. you, She carried you for nine months and so on So that bond is still very very strong as far as the the sharia is concerned and uh, the uh, way that it will be distributed is like any uh, other way so her other children for example that were all born in wedlock um, um, because the question here seems to be referring to her inheritance her mm. estate okay the mother's estate so it will be a normal estate that she will this it will be distributed according to uh, uh, the all the other children including yourself you will all get uh, from this estate Right, and obviously the boys will get a double share of the, the girls, and if there's a husband, obviously at the time of her death, and the husband is still alive, the husband will obviously get one quarter, twenty-five percent of the estate um, will go to him, and the seventy-five percent will be split amongst all of you siblings. Uh, so if there's only boys, then the boys will get equal shares. If there's boys and girls, then obviously the boys will get a double share, and the girls will get a single share this is now the inheritance as far as the mother is concerned the mother's estate okay uh, if it's the father's estate then obviously you as an illegitimate child will not inherit from your father whilst the other children that are born in wedlock they will inherit from their father as well however your father is able to write in his will a wasiya for you 
A wasiya is normally a bequest that can be given to any person who does not normally inherit and the wasiya can be written up uh, uh, until one third of the entire estate not more than that so if it is up to 33 percent of the estate can actually go to this illegitimate son if it is the inheritance of the father okay the inheritance of the mother like i said is normal you will share with your brothers in exactly the same share that they will get from your mother's estate because you and your mother are still uh, legitimately connected to each other regardless of the fact that you were conceived out of wedlock Okay, shukran Sheikh. Another Afrikaans question. So, by the justice, Sheikh, my daughter is getrouwd for 13 jaar. Hulle het een sien, maar hy het nog nooit vir my daughter genafakane. Wat moet ek doen? Yeah, shame. It's uh, it's always difficult for parents to, to obviously see kids, you know, going through difficulties and suffering and so 13 on. 13 years, yeah. Yeah, 13 years and a mother, you know, it's always very hard for her to see a, ch- a child suffering because uh, a mother is always very compassionate and very um, uh, very close to her children. And here, um, a son-in-law has never given proper nafaka to a daughter and so on. And this is very bad. It's, it's something which uh, our communities must really uh, begin to question themselves, you know, if they are, if we are Muslim and we've got all these values that we live up to, and we've got the Quran to guide us, and we've got the Hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his lifestyle to guide us, why is it that so many people are just, you know, overlooking this responsibility? And it's a huge thing. It's not something small. Uh, I keep on saying it's not something small. It is something which Allah Taala is very displeased with. If somebody does not fulfill his duty towards his wife and his children and so you as a parent what can you do uh, the best is to seek advice and to, to get someone to advise mm-hmm. your son-in-law uh, because unfortunately um, you know uh, we don't have all that power to enforce it but we can give advice and I do believe that uh, I've, I've, I've consulted with a lawyer on this as well that uh, even though our our Sharia law or our Islamic law is not recognized in the South African court system I, I do believe that if there was a customary marriage such as an Islamic marriage that, that, that had taken place that the wife can still actually go to the court and um, you know make claims for maintenance and so on and so forth mm. for the children this is possible in our system I've, I've some lawyers have indicated this to me and so i think the first step would be obviously not to take them to the lawyers or to the courts but the first step would be to give advice to him to get uh, someone to speak to him and say to him you know allah is not going to be pleased with you and you will see your barakah will be removed from your life if you do not fulfill these duties mm-hmm. and if you don't look after your kids and your, your wife i mean for 13 years you've not been doing it it's very bad and and by the way all that nafaka it's not it doesn't fall away you owe it to your wife it's like a debt that you owe to her mm. imagine you die with so much debt on you on your shoulders remember rasulullah he didn't even pray over someone who had debts you would rather say the sahaba must pray over him mm. but he himself would not participate simply because he wanted to send out a very strong message to people that have debt and they did have chance to settle it but they did not settle it Nabi Sallallahu did not condone that. So imagine you die and you've got so much debt towards your wife that you owe her. Imagine you are in a very bad situation. But you can come out of it if you make right what is wrong. Right? And if, if she says, Mathalan, that look for the 13 years you've given me nothing, but now I'm prepared to overlook all of that, but from now onwards fulfill your duty, she's got the right obviously to do that. If she's kind enough and she do that, then you must see that you make right what is wrong. Because ultimately, we are all, in, uh, we are all obviously responsible in front of our Creator Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. So that's the first point of departure. The second point is, I would say that if he really does not want to listen, 
right? The people spoke to him, they gave him advice, they explored all those avenues of settling it amicably. I think nothing should stop her after that to actually go to the courts and actually make a claim there and say that I've got a husband, he does not support me and my children, um, so what can I do? And obviously from a legal point of view, she will be able to enforce some kind of measurement over her husband, especially if he is able to and he doesn't. Mm -hmm. okay? If he's not able to, it's enough, a different story. But if he's able to and he doesn't, because he simply refuses, then the courts will be able to give a ruling or give some directive as to what she can do in order to enforce or to force him to actually pay her. And obviously we don't want it to go that way because we don't want the thing to go to court and mm -hmm. it becomes an ugly thing and, you know, the dirty linen gets washed in public and you know, everybody now know about your situation. We don't want that. But unfortunately, sometimes people, they, they just don't he take heed, you know, unless and until that is done. Mm -hmm. They don't really see the seriousness of it, seriousness of it unless drastic measurements are actually taken against them. We hope it doesn't come to that, but uh, we hope, inshallah, that uh, she will be able to find some way to uh, get it across to him that he mm. has to fulfill his duties. And the mother also can play a role without uh, interfering or like really coming out forceful. Try to assist the daughter in that way. Try mm. to get someone and try to be supportive of your daughter as far as this is concerned inshallah um sheikh mentioned the the courts and there isn't just um, a maintenance court there's also i know courts uh, i think small claims court where if you've um um regularly pumped money into your household it is it can also be categorized as a loan um if this if your husband had owed you so it can also be uh, a quicker process um which i've heard but we will hope that this parent can do the necessary just to help secure the financial stability of the daughter and yeah. the grandson and, and i think what i wanted to say is you must explore whatever avenues there they are for yeah. her to secure her needs and uh, the right that she's owed uh, even if it means that she's going to go to the courts, yes. even if it is that court that you're talking about or whether it is the maintenance court, mm -hmm. but she, are, she is at liberty to do that. Uh, after all, it is a haq, as we said, that is owing to her, that doesn't actually fall away, but it's something that he owes to her physically and he will die with a debt if he didn't owe it to her. Mm -hmm. It can actually be taken from his estate also before the estate is, is wound up. He can actually, they can actually be stated that he owes her X amount of money in, in an, an unpaid nafaka, mm -hmm. which can be extracted from there before anything else is, um, is, is, is taken off. Okay, shukran, Sheikh. So our next question is, um, Assalamu alaikum, can Muslims go to Sun City after, uh, only for holidays? Can Muslims go to Sun City only for holiday purpose and not to use this uh, casino? And what if they received it for free, a free holiday, where they don't pay for any facilities? Because I heard that if you pay for anything, you contribute towards the casino. Is that true as well? Can Sheikh elaborate some technicalities? Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's a question well. that I I not necessarily know all the details of yeah. because I don't know if you're paying whether it goes to the casino whether it is actually part of it or not yeah. Allahu alam um, but the thing for us as Muslims is that we always try to obviously do uh, everything that keeps us away from doubtful things and we don't try to engage in things that may be you know um, skeptical mm. especially if it's going to be at the expense of our faith you know at the expense of our identity as Muslims or what it may cause a fitna and stuff like that um, I know here also locally people go there and they say, well, they're not going to the casino, they're just going to the shopping center next door and so on and so forth. So uh, my question is always is that that's not the only shopping center that there is, you know, in the whole of the Western Cape. You can go to any shopping center. 
Um, you don't have to go to that one that which is right next to the casino. Um, so yes, uh, we may not uh, tec- on a technicality basis. We perhaps cannot say mm-hmm. that it is haram for you to go and stay in a room in Sun City, for example, mm-hmm. where you are just sleeping over and you and you're not actually gambling. From a technicality point of view, perhaps we can argue that. But the the point is, we don't want to even be associated with it, not mm-hmm. even in the remotest way. Okay, we remember we said the, some ahadith. But previously, we spoke about that the Nabi Sallam didn't even want us to sit at a table where khamar is being consumed, mm. right? Uh, later, I mean, you're not even drinking the khamar, you're not even part of it, but the fact that you're sitting there. Mm-hmm. So by association, the Nabi Sallallahu did not like that you be amongst things that, that is done like that. So similarly, uh, we, can, we can take it in the same light. So, um, you know, ideally, ideally, I would say, just for a uh, sort of precautious or precautionary kind of measure, it would best be best for you to choose other destinations, you know, for holiday and not choose one that has this the technicality of a a gambling house maybe close to it associated Mm. with it and so on and yes I understand if it was something free given to you it's very tempting for you to take it because you didn't pay for it as such Mm. so you know like I said one can perhaps argue that it's not haram that you go you're only going to sleep over you're just going to go to the beach uh, not the beach well there's no beach there maybe to swim there whatever the Mm. case is but the point is you know try not to try not to the hadith of the Prophet says da'ma yuribuka ila you know, leave that which give you doubt, and rather engage in things which is without doubt. Uh, that is, a, I think, some kind of a guideline as far as that is concerned. But in the other details, I won't be able to say whether the money is actually go to there or not. Um, Allahu alam. If the money is go to there, then obviously clearly it would be haram, hmm. because then it means you are supportive of that particular structure. Okay, then there's clear cut. I mean, you should not be engaging in uh, such a venture at all. Otherwise, it is something which you should think carefully of. Do I really want to be associated to something which is as closely? And I personally don't know how the place look. I don't even know whether how close it is or the place where you stay. Is it right there with the casino? Do you have to walk past the casino mm. and so on and so forth? Those are all the things which you obviously will also take into consideration. If it is, you have to walk every time past the casino mm. or you have to go through the entrance of the casino to come out where you want to be. And that will also impact on the answer that I will be giving mm. because it will be kind of being like a borderline, you know, just passing by but not really engaging. And we know how temptations are in that in that way. You know, just try it out maybe once, or just see, just for the fun, just see what happened, and so on. And you've, I, I heard people say this: they go to gambling, and they say they're not really, but they just wanted to see what it's like, mm. what it's about, you know. But I wonder what will happen if the thousands are coming out, you know, if they were winning. I wonder if well, what what the situation will then the be. The temptation grows. <laughs> maybe just also just uh, you know trying, or will they give the money back? What will they do? Allah Allah. And then I found, I mean, people came to say also people go to these places with these scarves on. I mean, they've got yeah, the hijab Allah. on, and it's like you know they Muslim. They not they proud you see Muslims. Them, yeah. Proud Muslims, and they go to these sure. places. And obviously that Long is bad, and you know, it gives sure. a very bad image to us mm. and uh, as Muslims and so on. And we should try not to. So my best advice here is, you know, if you can stay clear, Hmm. it will be better for your iman, it will be better for your life and for your, you know, um, for your um, reputation. Rather stay clear and choose holidays that are free from this kind of of doubt, inshallah. Inshallah. Shukran, Sheikh. Okay, so one last question before we take a break is, Assalamu alaikum, Imam. Is it permissible for Muslim ladies to pluck their eyebrows? We were told as children it's not allowed. Yeah, you were absolutely correct that it is haram for a human to pluck her eyebrows. Um, the, there's a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ had actually uh, cursed women that uh, pluck eyebrows as well as women that uh, do uh, tattoos, tattooing, as well as uh, other uh, issues. 
uh, especially and, and I think the, the deciding factor here was the Prophet actually mentioned in this hadith Al-Mughayyirati Khalqallah those women that want to change the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right they want to change how Allah has created them the Prophet Ali had cursed uh, such a person mm. uh, that does that although the scholars would say that if there is some uh, defect or deform uh, uh, structure of the eyebrows let's say the eyebrows grow in such a way where it's eye-catching you know you can see it's, it's abnormal or mm. unnatural then the ulama say if that is the case then it is allowed to 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 make it normal to make it natural sometimes you get eyebrows that are very it's thick. not feminine yeah. yeah very thick and it's not feminine it's very thick and it mm. goes right across the face without any gap in between or it looks uh very uh, sort of uh, the unibrow they call it yeah unibrow and it, it it's very um for the eye it's maybe uh something which catches the eye you mm. know and a woman Too may distracting, feel yeah. um, distracting a woman may feel a bit you know um, not good about herself when mm. she's uh, when she has that kind of unibrow so the ulama say if that is the case then yes to make it normal that's fine but not like nowadays where you find people make it extra thin and it must be extra sleek and, and men also going for it yeah now. men also and sometimes it's even shaven completely and they just put a little bit of cokey there or whatever the case may be you know some whatever they apply there and uh, to make it extra thin that is obviously and sometimes the shapes also they make it in certain ways that it uh, look like a certain sign or whatever the case may be um, some say it's like you know it's a fashion statement that they are making so here the Prophet says المغيرات خلق الله don't change the creation of Allah you know Allah created you beautiful as you are you know, you are the best of Allah's creation. Allah says we have created insan in the best of, of forms. So you are beautiful the way that you are. And beauty is, in any case, something which is relevant from person to person. You know, the way that you look. Eyes of the beholder. Eyes of the beholder. So the way you see something beautiful may not be beautiful for the next person. Mm. You know, I personally get afraid. And for people that with very thin eyebrows, you know, they sometimes look very scary. So um, it's, it's something which obviously... I picked uh, up on that, chef. Yeah, yeah. So it's something which uh, we need to also look into. Uh, the fact that you don't want to... Uh, cause uh, problems for other people when they look at you and you yeah. know what is happening unnecessary here talks yeah. yeah unnecessary talks and the best is to stick to what the prophet says don't change the creation of allah uh, be happy with which Allah's is yourself yeah. unless of course like i say it is a deform or it is abnormal completely mm. then of course as an exception that can and the same goes and i mean i can just latch onto this also the same goes for plastic surgery i mean how isn't that today one of the biggest industries you know where people mm. want to change their features all the time change because they're not happy with the nose they're not happy with the ears they're not happy with the cheekbones so they spend thousands and thousands of rands to change these features which Allah has given them. It's become like in Europe and I know, I know in the Western world, it's become a huge industry. Mm. People spend thousands and thousands of dollars on this. Right? And at the end of the day, you see they're never satisfied because they change this, then they feel, no, this is again so not more, right. Yeah. And they change that and something else is an again addiction. not right. So it becomes an addiction like a drug that they are taking. Mm. And then there's the Botox and all these other things that are applied. The, the point is that, doesn't that show that you are ungrateful? You mm. know, Doesn't it so show that you don't appreciate what Allah has given you? And doesn't it all also show that how your your hawa and your desire takes over mm. and shaitan takes over you know and you want to look in a certain way and certain model on tv that is the image that you want to look like mm. but at the end of the day it shows actually disrespect towards allah that has granted you you know as if you are accusing allah ta'ala of not giving you a perfect body the way that he wanted to give you mm. right and so uh, the same would apply to there there we say it is haram to do plastic surgery unless of course it is for deform or there was an accident or there was something you 
you will find sometimes people their, their faces are really deformed mm. and that is eye catching too so if, if that can be rectified through plastic surgery then that is fine that is permissible in Islam but if it is just done for beautification purposes just because you want some the cheekbone a bit higher or a bit lower or you want uh, something a bit smaller or bigger or stuff like that then that is not what should be done it is uh, playing around with the creation of Allah which the Prophet Ali uh, actually discouraged. Shukran, Sheikh. Let's take a break. And after that, we'll uh, ask more of your questions. So stay with us. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum. Shukran for staying with us in questions and answers. I'm Khawa Solomon. With me answering your question, Sheikh Ibrahim Mus. And the next one is, Salam, what is the reward, uh, Sheikh, what is the reward uh, for for caring for a parent, shukran. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim Of course, it's a great reward if a person is uh, always uh, attached to his uh, parents, looking after them, caring for them, sharing uh, your wealth with them, sharing your love with them, uh, giving them time. Uh, this is one of the greatest things that a person can do in his life. Uh, and we find that there's many, many, many ahadith and ayah that speaks about the greatness of looking after the parent and doing good to them. Uh, if you look at the Quran, there's uh, a couple of verses uh, that each time Allah Ta'ala would tell you as a first instruction that you should worship him um, and we know worshiping Allah and uh, Tawheed having proper belief and not uh, ascribing partners to Allah is the only thing that will save us on the day of judgment mm-hmm. um, and in many verses when Allah Ta'ala gives you this injunction and he says worship me and don't ascribe partners to me and in many times Allah immediately follows it up by saying and do good to your parents mm-hmm. right and for me that's a, a, a big message that Allah is trying to send out here it's almost like the first biggest responsibility that you have after your duty towards Allah is to show goodness to your parents. You know, that's the first, there's nothing bigger than that. Mm. And that is why Allah always adds up, Worship me, don't ascribe partners to me. And immediately after that, Allah Ta'ala says, and do good to your parents. And we know that this uh, Sahaba that asked, O Prophet of Allah, what is the best deed that I can do to Allah Ta'ala? The best deed that he will love for me to do. Then the Prophet says, As-salatu ala waqtiha, to perform salah in its time. Then he asks, what is after that? Then he says, birrul walidain, to be good to your parents. That is a big, big thing in Islam, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks very favorably at someone who shows, obviously, who shows goodness to the parents. So much so that the reward is that Allah ta'ala will be pleased with you, if your parents are pleased with you. In the hadith, read Allah fi al-walidain. That the pleasure of Allah lies in the pleasure of the parents. Right? And so we must always uh, encourage our children to, to do good to their parents. And we should uh, nurture this within them. And they must grow up like this. Because at the end of the day also, they will also become parents one day. And once they are parents, the cycle will continue. And there's actually a hadith where the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Birru aba'akum do good to your parents and you'll see your children will do good to you hmm. so for me that is one of the big spin-offs of why i want to be good to my parents right i certainly want the reward of allah i certainly want jannah i certainly want all these good things but what i also want is i also would like that my children one day will also be good to me so in order to do that, you must obviously do good to your parents. And there's many, many other rewards and, and issues that we can speak about as far as children uh, looking after their parents and being obedient to them is concerned. And so whoever is 
in that circumstance and, 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 and very often it is when the parents are elderly, they now need your support a little bit, they need your help a little bit, um, you know, they need for you sometimes just to be around them and just to speak to them and just to give them that a good word or give a smile and just to, you know, bring them something. This all small little things that they really appreciate. I mean, they don't really need big gifts or monies or stuff like that. Parents that are of, of age, mm. all that they need is your love and your support. You know, it's just that you are there, that I can count on you when I need something. And so if there are children that are doing this, alhamdulillah, then mm. you've got a, a, a treasure with you. You've got a, Allah has given you goodness that you can never imagine if you are placed in that position to care for your parents, to look after them at their old age. This is something that you must already be grateful as a ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just yesterday I spoke to somebody, we were at the janazah, and this person was saying that his brother comes uh, from Australia because they, they, uh, his mother-in-law is not well. And so his wife, when she lands here, when she lands here, she comes maybe a month or so at a time, when she lands here for that entire month that she is here, she doesn't visit anybody. She doesn't go out, but she just stays with the mother for that entire month looking after her, caring for her. Because obviously knowing that she's overseas, so she mm -hmm. can't really have that opportunity to always be with her. So it was very heartwarming for me to think that there are people like this. As she says, she doesn't even go to shopping or go with friends or family or mm, gatherings. She's in or Cape Town now. For that. And I mean, if you are out of town, you always like to catch up. You want to know mm. what is happening. You want to know all your cousins or this, that. You want to know so many things. But it seems that this, this woman, Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala has really given her that iman in her heart, you know, and this uh, okay. appreciation that at least that month that I can spend with my mother, that is my treasure for that mother. So he says she goes into that house and for that entire month, she would spend just with her mother. Even her husband would go alone around to greet the families and all that. But she would just be by the side of her mother, helping her, assisting her, doing whatever she can. And may Allah accept from her that, inshallah. Amen. And all those who have parents, really, it is a big ni'mah. May Allah keep you patient and keep you strong to always look after them and to care for them as much as you possibly can. Because that will definitely be your gateway and your entrance to Jannah. And may Allah give us all of that, inshallah. Amen, inshallah. And with that beautiful words let go and pay the bills and when we get back we ask more of your questions so stay with us live from cape town this is the voice of the cape the voice of the cape very good evening and welcome back to our last segment of questions and answers on this february 21st day of february and um shukran again for your patience as we get through your questions so sheikh the next question is assalamu alaikum um i'm married and have three young kids. My husband refuses for me to go to Majasa at night with or without him. He says my responsibility is to look after the children. He refuses to go himself and gets angry when I put the radio louder to listen to the lectures. Sheikh. Allah Akbar. Um, this is uh, something. It's very sad. Uh, yeah, very sad that somebody who would be so uh, selfish, mm. not wanting to learn himself, and then also not wanting others to learn. I mean, not only does he want to remain ignorant, but he wants his family also to remain That's ignorant. Right, yeah. So um, it's it's a very. I, I really feel very terrible for you, and I feel bad for your situation that you are in. Um, and we hope that Allah gives your husband guidance, you know, and hidayah, mm. so that he can at least see the importance 
importance of you seeking knowledge and him seeking knowledge and uh, I mean not even the radio uh, I can understand if you're saying not going out at night maybe mm. if he's afraid of your safety and all that then I can understand but the way that you're putting the question here it just seems that he refuses he doesn't want you to go to madrasa at all and uh, this is obviously wrong because our deen is a deen of knowledge it's a deen of ilm and we've said uh, in this show so many times now that how Allah Ta'ala has favored us with the guidance and given us uh, information on everything that we need in our lives and so on and for you just to point blank refuse to take it it's 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 uh, it shows uh, you know a bit of arrogance from your side and it really shows uh, neglect from your side uh, and and inshallah we hope that um, i don't know if your husband is listening while we are speaking but if he is listening, since you say he doesn't listen to lectures, so I mean, I don't think he is listening. <laughs> but if you are listening uh, right now, be patient, inshallah. Ask Allah Ta'ala to change the condition. You know, go on your musalla at night uh, when perhaps he's even sleeping. Go make tahajjud, you know, half an hour before fajr. Mm-hmm. And ask Allah Ta'ala to really to change his condition, to change his heart. Because the heart that he has is obviously a heart of ignorance. It's a heart that is far remote away from Allah Ta'ala. Mm-hmm. And that is why he doesn't want you to learn. He doesn't want you to improve yourself. He himself doesn't want to be improved. Um, and, uh, you know, only maybe through dua, um, Allah Ta'ala can change. And don't lose hope and don't think that Allah is not listening to you or that Allah is not taking note. Allah, of course, knows everything that is happening. Mm-hmm. And Allah knows his condition as well. And it is very easy for Allah Ta'ala to change that condition. Mm-hmm. But you need to be confident and you need to be consistent in your appeal to Allah Ta'ala to change uh, that situation inshallah and through your patience and through your good character and through your perseverance eventually the doors will go open for you I am confident about that and if anyone else is listening and they know of the situation and let's say there's a family member that can intervene and also speak to this husband Mm. I would really uh, you know I would really make a very strong request for someone to address this with this particular person to at least tell him look you we, we understand that the wife doesn't have to go every night or uh, all the class but at least there must be some ailment some knowledge that she empowers herself with and if she's listening to the radio and there's something good happening why stop her why stop her from gaining some knowledge mm. right um, that is uh, obviously not not acceptable to do that so if somebody is listening that knows about a situation like this that can intervene that can assist please do assist you will also be doing a service to the sister and to the community and what we must think about is this poor children they growing mm. up so how are they growing up without knowledge yeah. how can they grow up if the parents are both ignorant right how, how can we expect them to be guided if the parents are not guided mm. right there's an arabic saying that says faqidu shay la yu'ti if you don't have something how can you give something right it goes without saying if you're asking me to give you a glass of water mm. but i don't have it how can i give it to you if i don't have it i must first have possession of it before i can give it to you so similarly yeah, we, we how can we expect these little children to grow up guided and to be on a straight path and to do the right thing if we are not going to guide them and how can we do that if we are not guided in the first mm-hmm. place? So think about them, inshallah. Think about uh, what, what is causing to them growing up in this way. Uh, we hope and we pray and we make sincere dua to Allah Ta'ala that Allah changes the condition of the hearts of people that have this kind of ideas and these kinds of thoughts. May Allah Ta'ala bring them back on the Sirat al-Mustaqeem. Allah open the doors for our sister here, inshallah, that she is also able to um, you know, see light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. And Allah Ta'ala makes her also get over this obstacle in her life right now. Oh, yeah. May Allah make it easy for all of us, inshallah. Ya Allah. 
sons, you know, to, to, to keep somebody away from education and Islamic education. It's extremely oppressive to a woman. Ya Allah. Shukri ya Allah um, to um, all the information Sheikh has uh, conveyed today, um, to all the listeners that have stayed with us um, through our shows, and to all of you that will still be joining us in the future, inshallah. Really appreciate it. And, and please, if you know of somebody in, in need, please pass the message, the guidance, the advice, as Sheikh has mentioned. Um, this woman cannot even put her radio a little bit louder, so who knows if she's you know listening to this message. But inshallah, she will definitely be rewarded for the attempt as well. So Sheikh, Jazakallah khair for Sheikh time once again and um, salams back home and salama travel as well Jazakumullah <laughs> khairan to you also Sister Hawa for all your patience and all your perseverance here in the show may Allah Ta'ala grant you also khair and barakah and to all our listeners may Allah keep them safe and protected and Allah Ta'ala always keep them in the spirit of Islam and keep their hearts alive with Iman until we meet again inshallah wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaikum wassalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and the same to Sheikh and Sheikh's family inshallah